I'm easily scared. Listeners, I need you to know this is why I love this show. It's because it, it scares me. I mean, I definitely think that it's uh, some sort of demonic activity, demonic possession. If there's a haunting going on, I don't want to hear it. So, carpet. In this episode of The Brothers Grimm, Joey discusses the true story of the infield haunting, the most witnessed and valid case of paranormal hauntings of all time. Everyone give a warm welcome to Grayson Barton. Hey. <laughs> you know him from last season. He is the owner and the mix master of Starscream Studio, where we record our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be back, boys. Thank you for having me. Really, we just we just pull him in from the other side of the booth when we want somebody to join us. It's, yeah, he it's hits perfect. record and then walk in and then we talk for 20 minutes and it's true. then we actually start recording. And yeah. last time I was complaining that it, it wasn't a, a haunting episode. Right, that's true. So Joey said he's got something special for me today. I do, I do. And, and you guys know me pretty well. I'm going to ask, what is my favorite horror movie franchise? Blair Witch. False. Conjuring franchise. Correct. There we go. Do you know which of the Conjuring movies is my favorite? There's two Conjuring movies, three Annabelle movies, Curse of La Llorona spinoff, and the Nun spinoff. I'm going to go with La Llorona. No. That was actually my least favorite. But my most favorite is Annabelle Creation. Fantastic movie. Fantastic. But really a prequel. Yeah, a prequel. Yeah. Uh it's better than the original Annabelle. Uh and ties into Annabelle very well. Anyway, all that to say, I love the Conjuring universe mostly because uh, most of the cases are real. They're based off real accounts and real cases of paranormal happenings, whether it's the Annabelle doll or demonic possessions or, or the curse of La Llorona. There are real accounts of these, these stories that Ed and Lorraine Warren have, have investigated and determined to be, to be true, true stories. This, however, is, uh, is the grim story behind my favorite Conjuring movie right now, which is Conjuring 2. The third one's coming out soon. It's coming out in 2021, and I'm very excited to see it. But for now, this is the grim story behind The Conjuring 2. So let's dive in. In a quaint little home in Enfield, London, in 1977, Peggy Hodgson, a single mother of four children, suddenly began to hear loud noises coming from her daughter's shared bedroom. So like any mother would, she went upstairs to tell her daughters, Margaret, who was 12, and Janet, who's 11, to settle down and go to sleep instead of roughhousing. But when she entered their room, she saw something peculiar. She found them huddled in the corner with terrified expressions on their faces. Janet, the youngest of the two girls, told their mom the chest of drawers was moving towards the bedroom door. Of course, her mom simply replied, oh, don't be silly. But right at that moment, Peggy witnessed the drawers moving herself in the direction of the door by a seemingly invisible force, almost as if some supernatural presence was trying to trap the girls in the room. And when she went to try and push back against the dresser, it wouldn't budge. See, this is why I'm always a fan of no hardwoods and bedrooms, only carpeting. Because you never hear about any of this stuff happening in a carpeted bedroom. Because anybody who's moved knows how hard it is to move a dresser once it's in the carpet. 
but you always seem to hear about it with the hardwoods, stuff sliding along on rugs. No, thank you. You also get the the pounding on the hardwood. It's a little easier to hear. Carpet kind of softens that that blow. But the ma- the maintenance on hardwoods though is it's nice. It is easier. If there's a hunting going on, I don't want to hear it. So carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified, the Hodgson family ran across the street to ask for help from the neighbors, the Nottinghams. When Vic Nottingham went into the house to investigate, he too said he heard strange noises coming from around the home. The Hodgsons called the police, and this is where the case gets even more strange. The police deduced that it wasn't a police matter, even though one officer claimed to have seen a chair move clear across the room. So a police officer also saw yeah. something move? Yeah. The, ne- the next-door neighbor went in and, has, and heard noises and no. experienced some of those noises that Peggy heard, and then a police officer, a couple police officers, went in to investigate because they called the police, and he sees something move, but the police deduces that it's not a police matter, which is really interesting. I thought that was strange because uh, what's a police matter, right? Now, there are only there are four children. Peggy Hodgson has four kids. The husband's out of the picture. We really only hear from two of them, Margaret and Janet. Margaret, the 12-year-old, Janet, the 11-year-old. The other two we don't really hear too much from. I don't actually know their two names right now off the top of my head, so I apologize for that. But Margaret comes out to the, to the media and says, It's frightening. We didn't like to be in our own home. According to the family, that was just the beginning of what would become nearly 18 months of haunting. It's a really long time. Like that they just weren't like, eh, we're, we're just going to tough this out. We're not moving. Well, it's slow at first, right? So noises, things moving. No. I was gonna, I was going yeah, to ask how like intense was the haunting for 18 months? Because yeah. if it's if it's just a few noises, a few little you know, things you're placed in different areas every once in a while, that's one thing. But when I start hearing like disembodied voices or banging on walls repeatedly, night to night, mm, loud man. noises. I tell you, one thing moves across out. my house, I'm out. Yeah. Like, I'm easily scared. Listeners, I need you to know, this is why I love this show. It's because it, it scares me. <laughs> and, and, you know, it doesn't take much. I, I'm not a huge horror movie guy because it keeps me up. Got to turn the lights on. Uh, but, yeah, no, one thing moves in the house, I'm out. I'm like, kind of with you. is that you? No, I'm out of here. Yeah, Bye. I'm with you. I've lived in my house now for almost three, three years, almost four years maybe. And uh, I've... Only recently, since I've had a child, started noticing a lot of weird noises around my house. I I lived in that home by myself for almost a year, and I just never heard anything. All of a sudden, a little ten month old is running around the house. I'm hearing bumps. I'm hearing everything. You're more you're more uh, hyper aware of, of different. Noises. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. As the strange incidents continued, Peggy decided to call a popular UK publication, the Daily Mirror to come and investigate the supposed supernatural occurrences. So now we're getting the media involved. But when the reporter arrived, the house sat silent for hours. It wasn't until the reporter was about to leave that something happened. Something threw a Lego brick at one of the photographers and hit him in the eye. And he had a scratch on his eye for almost a week. After that, the Daily Mirror called the Society for Psychical Research, the SPR, who sent Maurice Gross to investigate the case. Maurice works for the SPR, this group. Now, this is a legit nonprofit that exists solely to understand events commonly described as paranormal. During Maurice's stay at the house, he said he witnessed more than 2,000 
different incidents of supernatural activity. Everything from furniture turning over, cups filled with water on their own, fires igniting out of nowhere, disembodied voices, even cases of human levitation. There were cases of Janet and Margaret being lifted out of their beds or being lifted into the air. Now here's what's crazy about this. There are photographs of these incidences. There are, there's video recording of these incidences. This is how much public media attention this case drew. Janet recalls one of the most frightening encounters she personally experienced. The curtain next to her bed wrapped itself around her neck. It wouldn't let go. But things with Janet specifically started to get more sinister. You see, it was during Maurice's time in the house that this supposed poltergeist or presence started speaking through Janet. So going back, talking about furniture being flipped over, Mm -hmm. people being levitated. From what I understand about ghosts and paranormal, there has to be a lot of energy for something like that to take place. Because usually it's a, you know, shadow or usually it's a, you know, a door slowly closes or, you know, something like that. Like it's never big objects being moved by paranormal energy. So this is what's called a poltergeist. And from what I gathered, poltergeists, and maybe somebody has a stronger definition, but a poltergeist is different from a a ghost in the sense that it's a it's 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 spiritual energy from some type of supernatural paranormal source. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. So it's not it's not an apparition of a ghost. It's the it's the it's the energy and presence of that spirit in the house. Now now what's most interesting about this case, they they call it a poltergeist. Um, for, for the most part, I enjoyed the definition of it being a haunting because I didn't think poltergeists possessed people. That's the, that's the part where I'm like, that's more of, of a, 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 go, a strong ghost or maybe even an inhuman spirit like a demon or something like that than a poltergeist because poltergeists usually don't possess spirits, I didn't think. So this seems possibly that it's it's past the like a paranormal entity and it's now a poltergeist manifesting itself inside of a entity of sorts yeah so now it's like kind of like just double double down yeah janet would often go into a trance-like state where she would speak in a deep scratchy voice claiming to be the ghost of a man named bill wilkins which is strange now we have a name associated with this poltergeist or this entity. Now, Bill had died in the house years before the Hodgsons moved in. Later on in the investigation, it was proven that a man by that exact name was once a resident of the home and did, in fact, die of a hemorrhage while sitting in the living room. The ghost would reportedly talk through Janet for hours at a time. That's where we get reports from the Daily Mirror and the SPR of actual... Uh, footage and recordings of Janet speaking in this scratchy voice. It's terrifying. Throughout the 18-month period, a number of additional paranormal researchers visited the house, including 
our famed demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And it's the Warren's account that we get one of the best horror films in recent cinema, The Conjuring 2, because it's based on the Hodgson's true accounts of the poltergeist in their home and possessing Janet. So what the Warrens believed was that it was a demonic presence that was infesting the house and then eventually possessing Janet. And their their presence and their investigation is what helped push the presence out of the home. Because after, after Ed and Lorraine get done, we don't really hear much more about, about this story. The film takes some liberties with the time and the extent to which the Warrens were involved with the case. And the Warrens publicly stated that they were convinced that the supernatural were responsible for the strange happenings inside the home. But of course, a lot of people cast their doubts on the events, claiming that the children were behind the elaborate hoax and were faking their demonic symptoms. So there's a long string of this entire case where people were trying to disprove what was happening. The Daily Mirror being one of those, those groups trying to disprove what was happening, whereas the SPR was trying to prove what was happening. So we have... Now we have conf- conflicting media outlets trying to fight against the actual, uh, the actual events that were happening. Two SBR experts adamantly questioned Janet's scruff voice and later caught the girl bending spoons themselves. Now in the film, there's a scene where uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren witnessed the spoons being bent, but these SPR people that are in the home with them during this entire these entire events, they catch the children bending the spoons and then mm. so it's it's just so bizarre because what actually ends up coming out uh, years later is Janet admits that she and her siblings did fabricate a few of the events. She says, "Oh yeah, once or twice we faked it just to see if Mr. Gross and Mr. Playfair, two of the SBR guys, would catch us." They always did, she said, according to the Daily Mirror. Later, she claimed that about 2% of the events in the house were faked. But nearly 40 years later, Janet and Margaret still say that while they've managed to move on from the traumatic time in their life, the haunting stays with you. Every step of the way, Margaret told People Magazine. It's just like a death, really. It gets a little bit easier as time goes on. But the fear and the memories of it and what happened never leaves you. Maurice Gross and Guy Leon Playfair went on to write the book This House is Haunted, The True Story of a Poltergeist in 1980 about their experiences in the Hodgson's home, even though they did believe some of the activity was manufactured by Margaret and Janet. While some call it a hoax, others have considered the Enfield haunting to be one of the most witnessed cases of supernatural activity. And considering the source footage, public eyewitness accounts, and the amount of media coverage that, that, that is still unable to explain everything that happened, I might be personally convinced that this was a real, at least demonic case. I don't know. What do y'all think? To me, it's, it's interesting because you have them, you have the girls faking some of the things that are happening. But then you also have actual accounts and video evidence of somebody being lifted, somebody being levitated, somebody or loud noises, disembodied voices. Um, especially in like the, you know, the 70s, 80s during this time period, the technology wasn't there to necessarily fabricate those or make those fake. So I would lean to it being real. Um, thank 
thank goodness I've never actually experienced anything like this. Um, I don't know what I would do if I physically was there or physically saw this. Yeah, same. It, it, if this happened in my house, we wouldn't be talking about it because I would have moved out the minute afterwards and just said, that's for the new owner to figure out. Good day. Yep. No, no, no. I never, and I would not tell them yep. about the oh, stuff that's going no. on. It's not a legal issue, so I don't have to. I mean, I definitely think that it's uh, some sort of demonic activity, demonic possession. I think you can fake some stuff. Um, now, granted, I've never been in a situation where I've experienced this. You know, you can fake some stuff, but I don't think you can fake levitation. Not in the 70s and 80s. No. Today's technology, yeah, absolutely. You can fake anything. Yeah, And it looked sure. 100% believable. I mean, you got the Mandalorian being filmed entirely in front of LED walls. Absolutely. And, but in my opinion, like, based on when it happens, I think that the only explanation is some sort of demonic activity, whether it's possession, subjugation, in fact, whatever it is, um, whether they uh, were possessed unwillingly or were uh, voluntarily allowing a demon to possess them. Um, I think it's all too real. Hmm. We don't experience it a whole ton in the U.S. as a as a general rule of thumb, but it happens in droves in other parts of the world. Mm. Um, so I think it's definitely possible, if not plausible, little room for doubt. I, I wonder if it happens more than what we really think it does. And we don't have the history to kind of back some of that up. I don't know if maybe that's why people, they just kind of brush it off. So no, it's not a big deal. It's not what I think it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, people explain away everything, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, it's not really what, you know, it it isn't what you think it is. Well, I don't typically uh, find poltergeists themselves to be very scary. I'm kind of, Brian, I agree with you, like a light haunting, some bangs, some noises, not not super scary. But when things start happening that are extremely unexplainable, especially when it starts happening to humans or to people like that just starts to really make me uncomfortable like a lot or when it goes on for 18 months well yeah and when it goes on for 18 months it's kind of and they didn't move out after 18 months it just so happened they did the as far as i know they didn't move out now this is kind of where reality and film kind of blur blur because we don't there's no account of what actually happens after now i would need to read Maurice's book because I and I think I will because I think I find this very interesting but especially with the amount of media coverage that this had mm-hmm. uh, we don't really know uh, maybe the haunting just stopped or maybe the Hodgson's moved I'm not really sure mm. um, in the in the film spoiler alert for those who have not seen The Conjuring 2 in the film uh, the the Warrens uh, discover that she is being possessed by a demon and they exercise that demon, and that's that's what ends that's what ends the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, fun little sp- continued spoiler alert: that same demon is the demon from the nun. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, so I love the Conjuring. Just moving around. Time. It's so much fun. I need to rewatch because it's been so long since it's, I've seen. It's also good. I can only watch during the daytime. Same. Never at night. I'll still have to put the lights on at night. <laughs> now, for our listeners, we're gonna post the videos. And the photos that I've been able to find around this case with the blog post that goes out. But what you're about to hear is the actual interview footage of Janet while she's while she's possessed or claimed to be possessed. 
we're going to change the um, sensible voices. That's Margaret speaking. But the rest of the names are absolute rubbish. That, that growl is Janet. That's just straight up 70s music. The 11-year-old Janet Hodgson appears to be the focus of many of the strange happenings in Green Street. But they also affect her 14-year-old sister, Margaret, and their younger brother, Billy. One of the first manifestations was when Lego bricks began to fly at high speed around the living room. How does it feel to be haunted by a poltergeist? It's not haunted. Why isn't it haunted? I don't know. Does it frighten you, the things that happen here? Oh, well, it did first, but now I've got more used to it. And you learn to accept the things that happen. It's slung the cupboard at Mum. Might eat it, Mum. Slung a bookshelf at Mum. Yeah. Have you tried telling it to go away? Yes, many times. No, nothing. Oh, what does it reply? Mm. No, it won't. It's day number six, seven. The local police could find no explanation for the knocking either. They were even more baffled when two of their beat constables reported seeing an armchair levitate across the Hodgson's living room. It um, came off the floor, or maybe a half inch, I should say, and I saw it slide off to the right, about three and a half to four feet, before it came to rest. Um, I checked to see whether or not it could possibly have slid along the floor. I placed a marble on the floor to see whether or not the marble would um, go in the same direction as the chair did, and it didn't. It didn't roll at all. Um, I checked for wires under the cushion of the chair, and I could find no explanation at all. Maurice Gross is an electronics engineer and an investigator for the Society for Psychical Research. Over here was Janet, and over here, in this bed here, was Margaret. It was in the same bedroom a month later with all the family present that Maurice Gross first challenged the poltergeist to talk. And this was actually the result. You'll hear here uh, the whistling first of all and then the barking. Quite extraordinary, actually. I then said to it, you can whistle. I then, uh, as I said on the tape here, I then said to it, if you can whistle and bark and groan, then you can talk. And I asked it to actually say my name. <laughs> I want you to call out my name, call my complete name, Morris Gross. See if you can do that.
It's crazy. It, that that voice is almost more distinctive than the guy interviewing, than the mm-hmm. interviewer. Mm-hmm. Like, so much louder, just seems so much... Like a hard voice to replicate for yes. a young girl, yeah. seven-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. It's pretty nuts. What was that whistling, too? At the that beginning? was coming from the girl. So the girl was whistling. The girl was making the whistle. The girl was making the bark. The girl mm-hmm. was making the... The deep, scratchy male voice. Hmm. That's crazy. There's a lot more of this interview that I find fascinating, but I think it's really easy to see how a lot of people could see this being a hoax. Oh, yeah. But it is 77. Yeah. So. It's cool seeing that old tape machine right, sitting there. Right. Well, I don't know what y'all think. I don't know what y'all fully believe. I know that. I I think something happened in that house. I think something something haunted those that family and I think something possessed that girl, but I don't know if it was a ghost or if it was a demon, but it definitely gives me the creeps. I would have liked to see the actual video of the girl being interviewed while he's asking her these questions. Mhm. Definitely super creepy. You you know where I stand with it. Uh, I think possession is all too real, um, but it's easy to explain away uh, if you don't want to believe that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it also depending on like your lifestyle, I feel like that it could invite evil in, um, depending on who you are as a person, what you think about, where your heart is. Um, if you enjoy evil things and you let those evil things kind of consume you. I feel like it, it will allow demons or evil spirits to kind of infiltrate you in a sense. This episode was written by Joey Thompson with discussion from Jeremy Thompson and Brian McIntyre and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories too. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode.